Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Not everything is as it seems. This is the true story of a fun-loving, all-American guy and the attractive, church-going widow he marries. Beneath the surface lies an alternate tale of lust. She didn't mind having sex. She didn't mind going off with a man. They would have sex every day at lunch. Hedonistic obsession. You could never fill her up. There were not enough men. There were not enough nice handbags. There were not enough expensive cars. She is unfillable. And a very deadly habit. Two accidental shootings. Who knows exactly what happened, but the gun went off. Beware. Extreme passion can lead to shocking consequences. It's 1970. Durham, North Carolina native Russ Steger is a young, strapping athlete about town. Russ was a real friendly, real easygoing guy. He was easygoing unless he was playing sports. And then he said, give it 115%. Russ was cute. <laughs> Russ was cute. He had a mustache and curly hair, and he, he was a cute guy. You couldn't help but like Russ. Everyone liked Russ. I met Russ when I was 16 years old, and my high school was playing his high school. Russ was a great guy. He was so passionate and full of life. He was a lot like a little boy inside. He was very playful, a lot of fun, had a great sense of humor, and full of life. Russ and his girlfriend, Jo Lynn, fell in love at a very young age. We dated from the time I was 16 until I was 21. We got married my senior year in college. As newlyweds, Russ and Jo Lynn are enamored with each other. Russ and, and Jo Lynn are a good couple. 
and they loved each other. She was like a second daughter to me, and uh, I think they did real well together. I think they both worked, had a good job, and uh, both of them loved their families. But their passion wanes. They grow apart, and the marriage ends. Russ and I separated, not really over major issues. We were in different worlds. I was working in marketing. He was a coach. He was gone a lot coaching, and we just kind of drifted apart. Less than a year after separation from Joe Lynn, 31-year-old Russ Steger already has a new girlfriend, a young blonde mother of two named Barbara Ford, who only a year earlier lost her first husband, Larry. To many, Barbara seems quiet and reserved, but sweet. When I first met Barbara, she appeared to be very um, demure, a little bit withdrawn. Barbara was plain. She was a plain-looking woman. But she knew how to put makeup on, which changed her appearance absolutely different. She was attractive. She seemed very normal. She just seemed like a typical mom of a couple of young kids, kind of harried and in a hurry to get on with things. Barbara loved to cook for people that had either been in the hospital or been sick. And she was just like well known for taking her casseroles to people's houses. And when there was a need, she would always show up with food. After just four months of dating, Russ and Barbara decide to tie the knot. It seems surprisingly fast to some. He told me he was going to be marrying Barbara. We were not even divorced when he told me that. And he asked if I could, you know, hurry up and sign the paperwork, which would free him to marry her the day after we divorced. So I did. And so we got divorced on one day, and he married Barbara the next day. Yeah, kind of yeah. quick. The recently married couple appear to be delighted with their new life together. Yeah. Russ just doted on her, and she was very affectionate towards him. And whether it was a smile or, you know, a caress, holding hands or something, they were very, uh, you could tell they loved each other. Russ was tickled to death. They were a good match, a good couple, very outgoing, attended church, warm, loving couple who spent a lot of time with the church. He said, I'm really so excited that she'll go to church with me. He said, my first wife wouldn't go to church with me, but Barbara loves church, goes with me all the time. Already a doting mother, Barbara becomes a caring wife. Russ continues teaching and coaching baseball at Durham High. Shortly after the wedding, Russ adopts Barbara's two young sons. He was going to have this ready-made family, and, and he just seemed very excited about it. They appear to have everything a couple could want. But soon after they're married, Russ and Barbara start making some impressively big purchases. What I heard about their spending was that Barbara just spent like crazy. She wanted nicer houses, nicer cars. And Russ, he liked nice things too, but when we were together, we lived within our means. And so, for me, it was very clear that it was Barbara's influence of needing more, wanting more. Barbara always dressed well, all the time. She wore very tailored clothes, high-quality clothes from very nice stores. And her hair was always fixed. I mean, she always looked very proper. 
Barbara's appearance was important to her. Eventually, Barbara takes a job working for Russ's friend Harry at a local radio station to help cover the cost of her indulgences. I think Barbara was the height of the material girl. She loved things, and I think she was a bottomless pit. She wasn't happy with anything very long. She needed the next fix, the next shopping spree, the next new car. She equated pleasure with acquiring things, having material goods. She wanted people to look up to her and to want what she had. Barbara's insatiability begins to extend well beyond the boutiques and into the bedroom. After a while, Barbara's excessive spending, she's gonna have all the clothes she can put in a closet. She still has a void that's not being filled. And so she will look for other avenues to get that thrilling feeling, that adrenaline rush. And the next step, of course, is probably going to be sex. Russ and Barbara may be regular churchgoers, but they have a wild sex life. We were talking girl talk, and she made it clear that she and Russ had a wonderful sexual relationship and that she enjoyed it very much. Russ confides in his buddies that Barbara is almost more than he can handle in the bedroom. Barbara absolutely fits that concept of the hedonistic personality. She would do anything to feel better. Five minutes at a time, whether it's shopping or sex, she needs that thrill, that feeling of pleasure. To their friends, Russ Steger and his new wife, Barbara, appear to be the perfect couple. It seems things can't get any better for the pair. But one day in 1982, they do. One Wednesday night, we had dinner at our church, and we were in line, and Russ came in. I mean, his feet weren't touching the floor. He was really elated, and he was kind of bowing to Barbara and all this stuff, and we knew something big was going on, and he said, she has written a book. Russ tells them that Barbara's book has been accepted by a major publishing company. He told me about the book that Barbara had written about her first husband's death. And he told me he had made an illustration for the cover. It was called Untimely Death. In her book, she projects herself as a loving, warm, upstanding person whose husband died. Barbara has also created a romance character, a very attractive, desirable woman, someone Barbara imagines herself to be. We know that Barbara had this double life, who she really was, and then this character of whom she wanted to be. She would create scenes in which she's clearly trying to be the main character. Barbara and Russ immediately begin a frenzy of spending with Barbara's book money. Russ told us is that she had gotten an $850,000 advance towards his manuscript, which, I mean, that's a lot of money. The couple upgrades their lifestyle with brand new cars and a membership to the local country club. The high school coach and his housewife are officially part of Durham's High Rollers. Their tight-knit group of friends want to celebrate their good fortune. I ask her when when it would be out because I wanted to give her a party and some of the other girls at church wanted to give like a book signing party. And every time she would give me a date, then she would say, it's gonna be later. And then it's gonna be later. And it's gonna be later. 
Russ's friend Harry, who runs the local radio station, contacts the publishing house to get more information about the release of the book. But what Harry finds out from one of the publisher's executives is completely shocking. He said, now, this is a really unusual deal that we would give anybody an advance of that size that's an unpublished author. She said, I'll check everybody when they get back. She called me back in about an hour and a half or so. She said, nobody here has participated in that deal, so it must be another publishing house. But Barbara had supposedly received a letter from this particular publisher, so Harry knew something wasn't right. With that bit of news, I felt like something was bad wrong. I knew there wasn't going to be a book signing party anytime soon. The couple's friends now suspect Barbara of deception. But what will her husband think? Is Russ too blind to see the truth about his wife? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? 
Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Durham High School baseball coach Russ Steger and his wife Barbara have been enjoying the high life. Barbara has recently received a large sum of money as an advance for a manuscript, or so it seems. But the couple's friends have discovered a strange and twisted secret that Russ is completely unaware of. There was no book, there was no upfront money. They had received a manuscript, but they denied it. This whole thing had been a hoax, fraud, lie. Russ's friend Harry is troubled by the decision he's now faced with should he tell Russ the truth about his wife? I thought about it and felt like, well, I'm his friend, you know, he'd probably rather find out from me than anybody else. Harry arranges to meet Russ for coffee. I said, Russ, I've got some really bad news. He said, what is it? And I said, there's no book deal. And he said, what do you mean? He was devastated. And then he kind of composed himself and looked up and said, you know, Harry, I guess I need to be really, really thankful that she still has a job with you. And I was shocked because she had not worked at the radio station in the last 10 months. After finding out the truth, Russ is stunned and confused. From that point on, he avoids all contact with his church friends. He also dodges any confrontation with Barbara but his approach won't work for long. He's soon to discover his once loving and perfect wife is capable of so much more. One night, he stumbles upon a hidden box, which contains even more evidence of Barbara's deception. Russ told us that he had found a, a box of bills under a chair that she had hidden that had not been paid. And he was real upset over it. He said, she told me she had been paying the bills. I thought we were current. This huge box of unpaid bills. And we were extremely in debt, and I didn't know. Russ begins to wonder if there is no end to his wife's lies. She's conditioning everyone around her to believe this persona that she's presented. And every time that it works and she's rewarded with a husband and a house and cars, so it gets easier and easier to lie and to hold up pretenses. It was a slow kind of sucking him into the pit of her web of lies. In the box, Russ also finds a bank card with his signature on it that he knew he had never signed. But the depth of Barbara's dishonesty is even greater than he imagines. She went to the bank. She would tell them that she needed a loan for various things, a study trip to Europe, braces for her son, different things of that nature. And of course, the bank thought that sounded reasonable and gave her a loan. They didn't even require Russ to come into the bank. And she took the documents home and brought back the documents with his signature. They were a forgery. When Russ tries to get an answer, Barbara accuses him of spying on her. To avoid any further conflict, 
Russ helps to clean up the household mountain of debt. If Russ seems to have one Achilles heel, it is that he really is committed. He doesn't make a promise and break it. He will always save face. He will always take responsibility, even if it is for her problems and her mistakes. And this is a pattern that seems to have no end. He takes on a second job and asks his parents for financial help. Barbara goes back to work as well. Things seem to be getting back to normal until Barbara begins to get restless and a 27-year-old married co-worker catches her eye. Barbara met a man that she was working with. They started having uh, a sexual relation. Barbara and her younger co-worker frequently arrange private midday meetings for their erotic trysts. They would have sex every day at lunch. But it seems that Barbara's passion is unrelenting. Barbara is not shy around me. She was aggressive. She didn't mind having sex. She didn't mind going off with a man. She keeps going like a runaway train. She believes that whatever she wants, she should be able to get. She needs that thrill. So until something really, truly bad and painful happens to her, she is never going to learn her lesson. And the question is, is she even capable of stopping? Barbara brazenly disregards her marital vows. She continues to meet her lover at secret locations around Durham. But her husband, Russ, won't be in the dark for long. After almost a year of deceit, Barbara's fun and games are about to be exposed. Russ told me that on the morning of Barbara's grandmother's funeral, she told him she was going to take their car to get it washed. And he didn't really believe that. It seemed suspicious because he was always the one who washed the cars. So he followed her. After spotting Barbara's car parked in the middle of an empty lot, he finds her in the arms of her younger lover. And so he got out of his car and walked over and saw her in that car making out with another man. And he told me he reached up and knocked on the window. And then he got in his car and drove away. Barbara Steger has been caught lying and cheating. Her husband, Russ, is now fully aware of her erotic escapades and can no longer deny her persistent betrayal. But will Barbara repent her wicked ways, or will there be deadly consequences to pay? In January 1984, devout Durham, North Carolina husband and father, Russ Steger, is reeling from the realization of his wife Barbara's infidelity. Russ is enraged. How much betrayal can he take? There's nothing Russ could do about it. Of course, she made like that he wasn't affectionate. In other words, she was making like, I'm not getting enough sex from you. Barbara's cheating is a huge blow to their marriage, but Russ decides to give her another chance. Barbara ends her affair and throws herself into the role of a faithful wife, promising to change her ways. She can be quite convincing, and Russ chooses to believe her. Russ was the type of man that would want to make a marriage work. 
and be forgiving and given a first chance and a second chance and a third chance to get it right. He loved those boys and probably felt like they could get out of it somehow, some way, that they could resolve those issues. Russ and Barbara recommit themselves to each other, to their family, and to God. Appearances were important to the Stagers. And at some level, perhaps saving face was his undoing because he really wanted people to believe he was an honorable man who was in it with Barbara for better or worse. Russ and Barbara Steger's nine-year marriage appears to have survived Barbara's lies and infidelity. Russ, he has to believe, after all of these years of commitment, that she will change. So she pulls an ace card and wants to recommit herself to the marriage, probably promises that she'll change. She's never going to have any more affairs. She's learned her lesson, and she knows that Russ will buy into this. But it's not long before Barbara gives in to the demons from her not-so-distant past. Within a few years, she resumes her lavish spending. Once again, the couple finds themselves in ever-mounting debt. Her and Russ, they had a champagne taste on a beer budget. They liked the finer things like, and they were both guilty of that. They had cars that they obviously couldn't afford, boats, uh, nice houses, but they were living way beyond their means. By the beginning of 1988, Russ's continued torment becomes painfully evident on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, they came over to the house, some uh, orders, and uh, when we all sat down, she told him to move. She positioned him in a chair so that he was facing directly in front of me. And she sat down on the floor next to him and reached up and held his hand. She was trying to make like that, that everything was lovely. She was just trying to, to look real good in my eyes. Russ's mother isn't sure what to make of this. And the night ends without incident. Until the next morning, when a frantic call is made from Russ and Barbara's home. Durham uh, County Dispatch got a call uh, from what they thought was a female. But it was actually a little boy's boy saying, come to Fox Drive, there's been an accident. And he just said, come quick. Well, the child that called in was upset uh, that his father had been shot. And that was all the details that, that he was able to give. An ambulance arrives. Inside the house, they find Russ close to death in the couple's bedroom. EMS treated Russ on scene. He was live, unconscious. He had a, a gunshot wound to the head. Barbara was in somewhat in distress. Barbara is standing near the bed as the paramedics tried desperately to revive her husband. At that point, Barbara Steger was saying that he had kept the gun under the pillow. Why does he keep the gun under the pillow? I uh, wish he wouldn't do that. And uh, it was almost like a chant. The lead EMT at one point said, get her out of here, because she wouldn't stop this chanting about the gun being kept under the pillow. And uh, it was to the point it was almost interfering with their ability to meet his needs. Barbara was telling the responders that she woke up, stretched out, she felt something under his pillow, and she pulled it out and realized it was a gun, then discharged, striking him in the back of the head. Paramedics put Russ into the ambulance and head for the hospital. It was around, uh, around 10 o'clock, and uh, Barbara's mother called 
and said that uh, Russ is in an emergency. I was so upset living in Durham all my life, I couldn't remember how to get to the hospital. On February 2nd, 1988, Russ Steger is pronounced dead at 40 years old. And the question on everyone's mind is, how could an accident like this have happened? Barbara's story about the gun under Russ's pillow that accidentally discharged seems puzzling. No one with any sense would sleep with a loaded and cocked gun under their pillow. Plus, he had been trained, he'd been in the National Guard, and he was an instructor for marksmanship. So he knew how to handle guns, and he would not have had a gun under his pillow. It just didn't add up the way she was saying the story. Despite the lingering questions, detectives determined that Russ Steger's death was an accident. There would be no further investigation. But new information will soon be uncovered, and it will reveal a dark secret from Barbara Steger's past. Durham, North Carolina high school coach Russ Steger has been shot. Detectives have ruled his death an accident. But to many of Russ's friends and family, something just doesn't seem right. While the family grieves and keeps their suspicions to themselves, detectives get an unexpected visitor. Julian Snow came to my office day after Russ's uh, death. Uh, introduced herself as Russ's ex-wife. She told me that she had met with him sometime prior to, to his death. Joe Lynn explains that Russ's visit has haunted her ever since. He said, I, I don't know who I'm married to anymore. Everything was shattered. The life he thought he had with Barbara, he didn't have. Russ then made a strange request. He said, I just want you to promise me that if anything ever happens to me, will you look into it? And I said, nothing's going to happen to you. You look dead serious. He said, I mean it. If anything happens to me, will you look into it? And I said, yes, I promise. I promise I'll look into it. That's the last time I ever saw him. While investigators consider Russ's cryptic request to Joe Lynn, the story of his shooting also gets the attention of a young assistant district attorney. I bought a paper at the newsstand, and in the story, it talked about uh, Barbara Steger accidentally shooting her husband, Russ Steger. And my first thought was, is that how likely is it for a gun to accidentally go off in bed and shoot somebody to the point of death? One shot and a death blow, I thought it was worth looking at. I immediately met with Detective Buchanan. And so we decided at that point that what if we could get Barbara Steger to show us how the gun went off. And so we arranged to have the detectives go out and see if she would show us on uh, video how that happened. And that's what we did. Detectives begin the investigation with a visit to the two-time widow to get more details of what happened. We was told that we needed to understand what happened and ask her if she'd reenact what happened that Monday morning. To their surprise, Barbara is eager to help them. So she crawled up in the bed and 
acted out just as unconcerned. I had a detective crawl up in the bed and assume Russ's position. And she acted out pulling the gun out from under the pillar and, and it pointed back at Russ's head. Barbara Steger indicated that she had pulled the gun out from underneath the pillow. But the autopsy indicated that the trajectory of the bullet was from the midline in the back of Russ's head downward to his left eye. But according to Barbara's demonstration, she was holding the gun in an upward direction. Her account doesn't match the facts determined by the autopsy. And as the prosecutor and lead detective dig even deeper, they can't believe what they find. Russ is not Barbara's only husband to die under suspicious circumstances. It seems her first husband, Larry, died in a remarkably similar way. Larry Ford was a, a karate instructor, and he had received a kick in the groin by one of the students. So they went to bed, but she got up, went down to the couch because he was such excruciating pain. Uh, she didn't want to disturb him by being in the bed with him. And then later on that evening, that night, she woke up, she heard a sound she thought was a picture falling off the wall in the stairwell. So she went up the steps, and Larry Ford was laying in bed and gasping for his last breath, and he died. Barbara told authorities that Larry had been cleaning his gun and accidentally shot himself. His death was ruled an accident. When we looked at Larry Ford's death and, and compared it to Russ's death, we found that, oh, there was a, a host of similarities. Both Larry Ford and Russ Steger were shot. Both of them were shot in strategic locations, either the heart or the head. Both of them were found in bed during normal sleeping hours. They were both found by Barbara Steger. Both of them knew about firearms. Both murders occurred with 25 caliber automatics. They say that lightning doesn't strike the same place twice. Could one woman lose two husbands to accidental shootings? Detectives look at the financial evidence in an attempt to establish Barbara's motive in each of the cases. The only thing that we could come up with was she did it for money. Even in Larry Ford's death, she was a beneficiary of the insurance. Russ Dager, she was a beneficiary of all of his insurance, was considerably more than she got from Larry Ford. Being that the greedy woman that she is, she loved money. And she loved money more than she did men. She had him for sex. But they had insurance, and she was the beneficiary. While detectives continue to gather evidence, Barbara seems to have only one thing on her mind. Barbara was very concerned with us determining that this was an accidental death, because the insurance company will not pay off unless it is accidental. As I recall, Barbara was well over $100,000 in insurance she, was, she had hoped to gain, which would get her out of debt. But if detectives have their way, Barbara will never get another payday. On April 18, 1988, Barbara Steger is arrested and charged with first-degree murder. As the prosecution reviews the case, a smoking gun emerges that will blow the case wide open. I received a call from uh, a Durham police detective that some people he knew had given him a tape and that I should listen to it. The detective plays the cassette. 
It's a man's voice. He's describing all the details of our investigation in a first-person way. She had supposedly signed my name on one of the bank cards. Could this be the voice of Russ Steger? What detectives hear next will shock everyone in the close-knit Durham community and help to seal Barbara Steger's fate forever. Forty-year-old wife and mother of two, Barbara Steger is now under suspicion for the murder of her husband, Russ. As prosecutors piece together evidence to build their case, a startling audio recording surfaces. The voice on the tape sounds very much like Russ Steger. And I'm thinking as he's talking, how could anybody know everything that we had found out? Because much of this information was confidential. And my mind begins to tell me, this has to be Russ Steger, because no one else would know all of this. Detectives call Russ's family to positively identify the voice on the tape. It was Russ's voice. There was no, no doubt. We, we knew our son's voice. It was a big shock. My husband just reached over and put his hand on my hand. As his devastated family listens, Russ reveals details of the events leading up to his death, which now seem highly suspicious. Is Russ providing evidence for the prosecution from beyond the grave? The most powerful thing about that tape was the simple fact that Russ Steger had to even make a tape like that. He had married this lady because he loved her. He trusted her. And now he's at the point in his marriage where he's saying to himself, something could happen, meaning my death. It seems so sad to me that just a couple of days before he died, he's talking to a tape recorder and not a person. On May 1st, 1989, Barbara Steger's trial begins amid a community divided. There were a lot of people in Durham that believed that it was an accident because they had had uh, contact with Barbara or knew her from work or from social circles. And there was no way that you could look at that woman and think that she was capable of murder. It was a hard time, an emotional time for a lot of people. It was a sad time. Inside the courtroom, the prosecution deals blow after blow to Barbara's defense. That was just one fact after another, and they all led up to murder. Not only do we have the financial evidence, but we had the reenactment. We had witnesses talking about the statements that she had made. We had forgeries. So every day was a new revelation. But the most dramatic and perhaps damning evidence comes on the sixth day of the trial, in Russ Steger's own words. On the tape, Russ outlines the strange things he's uncovered about his wife, her financial and sexual indiscretions. She came up with some guy that they were in the car making out. His eerie suspicions about the death of her first husband, Larry Ford. He supposedly accidentally shot himself in their bedroom. And he reveals one last incredible detail that until now, no one knew. The last few nights, Barbara has woke me up to give me some kind of medication. 
I have not taken it. I took the two capsules to Eckerd's Pharmacy, and they said that it was sleeping pills. He referenced on that tape, why would somebody wake me up at 5 o'clock in the morning and give me a sleeping pill when I'm already asleep? So he already questioned it. She didn't want him awake when she shot him. She wanted to be sure he was going to be asleep because it took Larry minutes to die. Larry saw who shot him. She didn't want to repeat. She didn't want eyes looking at her. Russ is helping us at that point. He says, all right, guys, you know everything on this tape. You've done a good job, but you don't know this. The air in that room, when, when his voice came on, it was like all the air was sucked out of that room. And it and really, it may sound strange, but it almost felt like a connection with the afterlife because he was speaking from the grave. You could have heard a pin drop because you had the murder victim testifying in his own trial. At the very end of the tape, he says, I hope I'm being paranoid about all of this. This is uh, Russ Steger. This is January 29th, 1988. Three days later, Russ Steger was dead with a bullet in his head. Nearly four weeks after the trial began, the jury departs for deliberation. It was very tense in the courtroom when the jury left to deliberate, but it didn't take long for the jury to come back. It didn't take long at all. We beat them into the dirt with the preponderance of the evidence. And the jury saw that. And like I say, it took 47 minutes for them to return the verdict, as I recall. The jury finds Barbara Steger guilty of first-degree murder. I felt tremendous relief. And then immediately followed by that, I felt so sad for her children. They were crying and screaming for their mother. She was crying and screaming for them. It, it was a heartbreaking scene. I don't think Barbara Steger ever thought that the investigation would uncover as much as it did, that no one would know about the money, the forgeries, the bank loans, the deceptions. The jury was allowed to see the entire picture. So she was wrong that she could fool the jury, and she thought she could. Although there never has been enough evidence to bring charges against Barbara for the death of her first husband, Larry Ford, there are those who believe there's more to that story. She's very good at being bad. I think that Barbara was probably able to manipulate men through sex, and I think that from everything I heard at the trial, she was an expert in that, and I think a lot of men fell for it and to their demise. Kind of like a black widow. When she got tired of me, she just got rid of it. Barbara knew every move that she made, and it was planned, well thought out, and, and executed. And that's what she did. She executed two people. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.